Welcome to Central Valley Podcasts, developed by Fresno Madero Medical Society physician members. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm the executive director here at the Medical Society. Today, we are here to talk about allergies, asthma, air, a little bit of everything. And I have in the room um, Dr. Budiga, and I also have Dr. Gady, who is going to uh, um, help me out with some of the questions and just interject whenever whenever we need it. So, so with that, welcome, Dr. Budiga. Thank you for having me. Um, so we're here today. I want to talk about allergies. We live in the valley. I'm born and raised in the, the valley, and allergies always seem to... Um, it's not one time a year for me. It's all through. So I wanted to talk to you about um, how do allergies in the valley different from the rest of the state or rest of the country, I should say. Um, the allergies here in the Central Valley are very unique. Uh, it is because of the geography we live in. Um, our eastern side is uh, eastern part of our um, valley is surrounded by Sierra Nevada mountain range. And there is an inversion layer on the top of uh of this uh, um, area, which causes most of the allergens and the allergies to be kind of landlocked, and um, and w- so that that way it really differs from the different part of the state because of our unique geography that we have. Um, the allergens are almost the same that we find throughout the country, but our unique geography is what makes us different. Does it have a lot to do that, you know, we say the word valley because we are kind of in the valley. Is it just kind of like everything just blows in this way and kind of hangs out and stays and, and festers? <laughs> That's not a bad word to use. Um, that is the, that is correct. It's because of the wind pattern that is southwest and southeast, you know, it kind of mixes in. If you see the way the uh, the the weather report you can see the angle of the wind patterns and they've when they've assessed uh, actually here in the central valley some of the allergens some of the allergens have come as far as from china actually some of the pollutants um from, they've been tagged that way and that that was based upon the research of uh, uc berkeley uc davis um at, and stanford so dr Badiga, you mentioned because of geography our allergens are uh, different here. Um, are, are they more concentrated? Just like the, we know the air pollution is concentrated because we're inside of a bowl. So it, would that be true of the allergens as well? The allergens are more potent that way. Okay. Um, when you mix an allergen with the, with, with the, uh, with heat, especially, it makes it a little more potent, um, in terms of causing an irritation in your lungs. Um, may give it a little more total surface area. Uh, So it has more interaction with the lungs itself, causing more inflammation, therefore more, uh, not only the lung, but the nasal mucosa where, you know, the pollen or the dust comes and sits in because of, uh, and it causes a lot of inflammation in that area. So more more chance of triggering an asthma attack? Is that that what you're is saying? correct? Yeah, that's why our ERs are you know uh, some of the stats show like one in four, one in three. Um, well, to be really honest, as we go from the north, Stanislaus County down all the way to Tulare County through the valley, the uh, incidence actually increases. Like in Fresno, it's about one in four with asthma when it. When you go down to Tulare County, it's almost one in three. And one, one in, in three one, persons that present to the emergency room with asthma. Yeah. Wow. And why do you and think children? 
why do you think it's different just from that close of a geographical distance too because you know you, you talk about asthma a lot and with with children is it they have different air i mean i would think you know they're only you know 30 minute it's, 40 minute drive it is true that yeah but we need to understand again the geography as we proceed south on the 99 or the 5 the geography gets more um it's kind of like um arrows in and the tip almost being uh, the grapevine or just a little north of it is a city small city known as arvin a-r-v-i-n and that actually is where they picked up the highest levels of uh, you know sulfur oxide and all these agents volatile vocs um, and it's because of the freeway also, because the freeway, the main transportation freeway between North and Southern California um, is the Interstate 5 as well as the 99. And diesel particles uh, uh, is an important part of this. And diesel particles are extremely, extremely allergenic because of the total surface area. Okay, let's go back to talk about allergies. So I think everybody, four out of five friends that I talk to, they all have allergies. Are there different types of conditions that could, that look like allergies, or is truly that many people in the valley have an allergy? Um, it's usually that many people in the valley do have allergies. Um, there are not many conditions that look similar to allergies because when uh, I always get this question how do you differentiate a cold from an allergy how do I know I have a cold versus an allergy and the rule of thumb there is basically if you have a cold a cold generally lasts for about 10 days or less than 10 days but if you're having you know chronic constant um, sinus congestion nasal congestion itchy watery eyes constantly clearing your throat or if you're coughing on a chronic basis which is more than 12 days then you know this is usually due to allergies the post nasal drip that comes down through your nose and towards the back of the throat triggers the cough reflex so you tend to cough you tend to clear your throat um, so there, there are therapies available for all of this but it's usually allergy is the offending uh, condition here and I want to talk about the therapies a little bit, but before I do that, is there, you know, something that you can do in your lifestyle or, you know, with the exception of staying in your, in your four doors or your home 24 seven to, to avoid <laughs> allergies? Yeah, I did see one of these cartoons where a guy was wearing an astronaut, bu- you know, cap or something like a bubble and said, yeah, it's allergy season. What yeah. am I going to do? So mm-hmm. it was kind of funny. Yes, there are a lot of things we can do. Um, Number one, um, we can use a nasal sinus rinse early in the morning and also about 6 p.m. in the evening. And what that does is it's kind of... it kind of rinses off all the pollen. It's like washing your hair, but you're washing your sinuses and your nasal passages, which is the primary uh, contact area of the pollen, of the dust, of the mold. And depending on what season you are, like if you're a soccer player or the kids are playing soccer, you know, the grass that they breathe is sitting in their nasal cavity and causing inflammation. And, you know, so um, they can use a nasal sinus rinse to wash it away. Other things 
things uh, we can do is when we're driving, we can roll up the windows and make sure the dust particles doesn't come don't come in. And uh, it's very important to change out the car filter, um, the air that comes in um, to the car or the vehicle um, almost every 6,000 to 7,000 miles, especially if you're using it a lot on freeway travel. And that's extremely important. When I was talking to one of the car manufacturer dealers, they were explaining that to me, and we looked at some of the data of how um, you know how much um, particles there the the filter really helps with. That's fascinating. I would never have thought that you would get that many um, particles from just street traffic or you know, freeway traffic you do speaking yeah. of filters what about in, in your home they have these uh 3m uh, higher quality filters mm-hmm. that take out the smaller particles it's is it worth spending the extra money to, to get those if you yes. have trouble with allergies yes uh definitely thank, thank you for reminding me on that one yeah uh, another intervention like uh, don was saying dr gady um you can also have something known as a hepa filter or a high efficiency particulate uh, filter machine, which basically what it does is it acts as a vacuum, internal vacuum, and runs, you know, especially during the nights, and basically uh, acts like a magnet and attracts all the pollen as well as particle matter and holds it on the HEPA filter so you don't breathe it. And it's very useful to use, especially in the in to my patients, I advise in the bedrooms because you spend about one third of the day in the evening sleeping in the bedroom. So that's about seven to eight hours if we're lucky, some of us. But that usually that's the case, and especially in your children's bedroom, you know, to have one of those. Um, I wouldn't go crazy and buy some very expensive device because uh, studies have shown is even the one available in your local store for about you know 79 to 80 dollars should be should be good enough to do the job but the important part is the HEPA filter so these are freestanding units that filter the air inside the room I don't have one so I don't know what they inside the room they have certain uh, power like 200 square feet 300 square feet so like and a like a fan, but not a fan. Exactly like a fan, but they work in the reverse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're sucking they in those attract. bad particles, yeah. and, and it's give, and it it sucks in the bad particles and gives you clean air. And this is and it's not so much the machine; it's the filter that you're using for the machine that is better than others. That is correct. Interesting. Yeah. And I think right. I've also read, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you have one of those high quality filters in your uh, air conditioning unit. That also was helpful, but you'd have to run it 24-7. You'd have to run it constantly. In Which order in the to summer, fill. we pretty much do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you so, have one of those? I do, yeah. And, and if it's a smoky day, if, if we got wildfires, I'm going to run that thing. I'd turn the fan <laughs> on, not on auto, on, and, and, and try to close all the doors and windows. Yeah. And that has been shown to, to clean out your air. Do you feel a difference though? Like when you, I mean, I, I know when we, had, especially this last, this last season, we had a lot of wildfires and I would walk out minus the ash on my car. Mm-hmm. I would instantly just tighten up. I have asthma and I, my lungs would, my breathing would instantly tighten up. And then I'd come back inside into more of a, an air conditioning office and I could feel it release. Mm-hmm. So do you feel those effects on a regular basis? I mean, or is it just something that well, you just know it's better for you. During a wildfire, yes, you will definitely notice it. But uh, even if you don't notice it, it, it's it's doing an effect. They've done studies on this and shown that it, it is cleaning the air of those real microscopic um, pollutants 
um, those never, uh, PM 2.5s and whatever. It, yeah. it, it does I never help. realized I live, I live such an unhealthy lifestyle between talking to doctors all day. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about, you know, I mentioned asthma a little bit. I, and, and I just always assumed, I felt I had allergies that would induce my asthma. Is that, I mean, is that, that is realistic? Yeah, 85% of asthma is allergy induced. Okay. Yeah. And so long ago, because I've had this my entire life, I figured out how to manage my allergies because I'm pretty much allergic to everything in the valley. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know to, you know, wash my hands, not touch my face after I touch something. If I'm outside, if I touch grass or a tree or anything, I just know very well not to touch my face or to immediately wash my hands are there other things that that you could do as a as a you know small child or even an adult um without medicine um the best thing is to wash our hands and wash your hair okay because the hair is where most of the pollen and the dust sit so it's very important that you do that and uh kids i mean it's it it's it's always a challenge for them not to touch their faces and as adults we could do that but you know they always constantly touch their eyes touch mm-hmm. their nose so there is that's why you see more allergies in kids and sinus infections yeah do you outgrow your allergies you know if you start with with small kids and and you're allergic to a lot of things does that typically get better as you get older uh in some cases it does it depends a lot on your uh, genetics and how you built that tolerance. If both, they say that if one parent has allergies, then it's about a fifty percent chance that the child will have allergies. If both the parents have history of allergies, because it's so common, seventy-five um, percent of the uh, kids' uh, children will have allergies. That's crazy. It's all in genetics, I guess. In genetics, mm-hmm. is a strong. Got to marry better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about some of the the treatments and you know what do you recommend if somebody if someone thinks they have allergies and then you know what if you know we talked about are there alternative treatments past medications so um the alternative treatment uh, of course our antihistamines are is actually the medication it's not alternative it's the mainstream is antihistamines the other mainstream for allergies over the counter would be something like nasal steroids um, the brand names are usually there. Everything's over the counter now. You mm-hmm. don't need a prescription. There's Flonase. There's Flonase Sensi. There's Nasacort. There's Rhinocort. These are all nasal steroids. Um, one is not better than the other. They say so, marketing-wise, but <laughs> they course. all do. They all do the same job. Yeah. And yeah. I talked to somebody. I I'm on two different. They they combined it into one, but it's costly that way. So I buy it two separately. And is there side effects? And so the nasal um, sprays for me is a new thing over the course of the last two years because I had they took everything out. You mm-hmm. know, I had bad polyps. Is that something that's okay to be on long term? <laughs> Um, the only risk factor of long-term steroids is that, is bleeding, nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you ever have a nosebleed, I usually ask the patient to stop taking the steroid nasal spray uh, for at least two, two to three weeks until everything heals. But in the interim, they can use the other antihistamine nasal spray as well as they can use uh, nasal saline spray. And even in small children, as they're born, they're very dry in their nasal passages, so they can use something like uh, little noses or something mm-hmm. in the saline spray, which is available in every pharmacy. 
And so these types of sprays you're talking about are very different from um, like, I don't want to call it out, but like Afrin. You know, I, that was something yeah, I used long ago. And Afrin is Afrin or, you know, oxymetalazone or phenylephrine. These are all fancy names of uh, vaso uh, or, you know, which actually give more room for you to breathe yeah. by reducing the, um, the, the swelling in the nasal turbinates. Okay. Our nasal swelling. And those are those are all okay to take long term because I've heard that in the past. Those are not good okay. to take long term. Okay. Yeah, because the question is, you can use them maybe a day, maybe two days, but um, they have rebound and um, rebound addiction. You know, you start getting. Unfortunately, the every six hours becomes every four hours. Every four hours becomes every three hours. Before you know it, you know you have a nasal a nasal perforation, and because these are our, these are very toxic to the nasal mucosa. They're good for short term; they're excellent, but if you get addicted to it and long term, they are not good. So for seven you. days a week is not good. Not good. No. It's the same thing with eye drops. You know, you can you can debate. Oh, I'm going to put some. You know, there's some um, eye drops which vasoconstrict and turn the red of the eyes white. But those are very bad for you because basically they're you know reducing the blood supply to your um, uh, sclera. So those are available too, but uh, I wouldn't recommend that. So let's let's go back to the question. What would you recommend if someone thinks they have allergies or, or that are having those 10, 12 day struggles with runny nose and and coughing that they've now ruled out? I don't think I have a cold. Well, they should be on a regular regimen of uh, an antihistamine, which is non-sedating, which is second generation. Um, the brand names being um, Allegra or Claritin um, or Zizol or Zyrtec, and these are all available over-the-counter, as well as you can buy the store brands, uh, which is the same thing. I mean, uh, there are certain companies that have their own store brand, which is very similar with the basic drug. And those are all okay to... Everything's over-the-counter. Everything's okay. Um, The only one um, I would kind of be a little careful with is the first generation, such as Benadryl, which can cause uh, sedation. The second generation usually does not cause that sedation. If I need a medication, can you explain a little bit on how how that works? And are some of these over-the-counters, are there side effects that that anybody should be aware of? Um, the antihistamines, um, there are no severe side effects. The only time is if you have certain eye conditions like glaucoma, then I wouldn't recommend uh, antihistamines and you should, they should talk to their doctor okay. or their ophthalmologist. Other things like nasal steroids or nasal sprays also, um, they they do increase the uh, eye pressure inside. So again, uh, I would recommend that the patient ask their eye doctor whether it's safe to use or not. That makes so. sense. You have to tell your eye doctor to um, that you're taking nasal because right. that's not something I did. When a, a, a patient starts these medications, do you recommend that they come in to see you first or is that really the history? Do, they, do patients really come in um, prior or do they come in when they're, those medications are no longer working for you? Um, usually most of 90, 95% or 90, almost 99%, I can say of my patients usually try something before they come and see me. Um, and they've gone to their primary care physician many times and, um, um, have discussed this with them. And 
so usually when they come to see me, it's either they're referral-based or they're self-referred because they can't stand the symptoms anymore. Um, and usually what I do in my uh, usual routine is I at least I ask them a good history. When did it start? Is it something, is it an acute onset or is it a, is it been going on for years? Uh, another important question I do ask is, is it, is it getting progressively worse year on year? And usually the answer to that is if it is yes, then they would be candidates for something known as allergy immunotherapy or allergy injections because they've tried everything else. They've tried over-the-counter um, allergy medications. They've tried over-the-counter nasal um, steroid sprays. But what we can do, the only form of preventive therapy that we can offer um, is in, in, in allergy immunology is basically modifying one's immune system to uh, compensate and become more tolerant of the allergies that they do a person has. So we test them on their back, um, and it's a simple test. It takes less than 12 minutes, and we can ascertain whether they're allergic to trees, grasses, weeds, their pets, cats, dogs, dust mite. Alternaria. We see a lot of those trees, grasses, especially olive in the Central Valley, is very rampant, especially in the end of May season. Um, but we do pick up dust mite is notorious here. Uh, you, we, may, we may not find it in Colorado, but you will find it here. Um, it's extremely, extremely common, um, especially in, in apartment complexes with a lot of carpet. Uh, dust mite is a, is a huge uh, factor there. But there's available immunotherapy or allergy shots to lessen the, uh, and lessen the blow as well as develop tolerance. And the key is tolerance because we're giving allergy shots. It's kind of like a prolonged desensitization or a prolonged vaccination process where one develops protection internally by their own immune system. And I call it, you're building your own firewall for you. And remember, when you stop allergy shots after taking it for a few years, your allergies are actually prevented. You walk away with almost, if you do a good three, four years, you've invested almost 10 years of protection. After the fact. After the so, fact. So yeah. one, when they come in, they take these scratch tests, this is what I what I remember them to be, um, on on their back and you're testing them for all of these different um, things that are that potentially could be at harm of people that live in the valley then you take that those reactions and you make them kind of like a, a concoction or cocktail that's correct and then they take these shots how often do they have to have a shot and for how long of a period um we uh based on like like you were saying uh based on their results of their testing we prepare um an, an allergy basically uh, cocktail or concoction uh, our serum is what we call it our antigen is another name um, of what they're allergic to in different dilutions and we give the lowest dilution starting and we actually give it once a week or we can give it once every two weeks it depends on the patient it depends on the you know how often they can come in because uh lately you know gas is back at four dollars in california so it's costly yeah <laughs> it's costly yeah. so when they're coming in from dinuba uh you know they they make 
they make those decisions. You know, family has to make that decision in terms of how often they can come in. So we work with them. But again, the to answer your question, the more frequent one comes in, the faster they get onto maintenance therapy. Um, a person who comes in twice a week or once a week regularly uh, should be on maintenance therapy in about six to eight months. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Once they're on maintenance therapy, you can decrease the number of frequency to every two weeks. And in some cases, we've decreased that to even once a month. Okay. Because there are some elder patients that can't drive in every, every week or yeah. every other week. So we try to work with them. And that's great. And so then they can continue that maintenance. And then at some point, the longer they t- they do the maintenance, the longer they get a be benefit. Yeah, it's like a booster. You okay. Know? Yeah. And, it, and they don't develop sinus infections. They don't develop bronchial infections. They don't develop ear infections. Um, their skin gets better because of eczema. Because again, the skin allergies are eczema. And uh, if you're talking about FDA approved indications, FDA approved indications for allergy injections are number one, allergic rhinitis or nasal allergies. Number two would be allergic conjunctivitis or allergic eyes. Number three would be atopic dermatitis, which is nothing but eczema. And number four would be uh, prevention of asthma. And they've done a lot of studies in uh, young kids in, in Europe where that they have shown clearly um, the earlier you start a kid on allergy shots, you can prevent them from developing asthma. So that's really where the um, jackpot is. So so what if somebody already has asthma? Should they be tested, and which one should be tested? Um, If someone has asthma already, um, 85% of asthma uh, is Mm -hmm. allergy-based. There's an allergic trigger, so it's very important we find the trigger, like for if it's dust mite, if it's cockroach. Um, East Coast, it's mostly cockroach. Um, in in our valley, it's mostly dust mite, and so we can figure out what that is and try to give the shots for that to prevent that. So you're suggesting anybody with significant asthma could benefit from being tested. That is true. Mm-hmm. It reduces uh, in- inhaler use, as well as it prevents the forbidden, almost dangerous ER visit. Mm-hmm. So um, I have two questions on that. So with an asthma patient, so a lot of asthma um, patients are on a a long-term or a a maintenance inhaler and then a a fast-acting inhaler. Mm -hmm. Would they continue that on after they've had their series of asthma shots or uh, allergy shots? They would still continue. um, It depends on how they respond to allergy shots. Uh, Usually 96 to 97% of patients respond really, really well. And I have been able to decrease the amount of inhaled steroid that they take in. Um, But they should always carry their rescue inhaler because uh, the rescue inhaler is almost like a mandated thing once you have asthma. Yeah, you never never know when that's going to hit you. My next question is is with with children, is there um, a, a different option besides the shot? I mean, just because shots, you know, that's kind of fearful for, for young kids. Um, there is another alternative, and but unfortunately insurance doesn't cover that. That's uh, sublingual drops, which are allergy drops. It's very similar to um, allergy shots, but you actually have to take drops underneath your tongue, and it stimulates the... Um, lymph tissue underneath your tongue, the sublingual gland, uh, lymph tissue, which 
introduces the allergen into your blood system in a similar manner without the needle. But unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover that, and it's a cash-based. It's it's a cash-based. Uh, Thing. service yeah. so um wow insurance companies really need to get on the ball because i would think that they oh, could well, prevent a lot more right. it's not incidents FDA, it's not fda approved because of lack of standardization so that is why it's not fda um, it's not approved by insurance i learned a lot about fda today <laughs> so, um is there someplace that uh you send your patients to learn more about how to live with allergies or what type of allergies they may have? Is there any specific websites? Um, the, the good websites that I uh, recommend for allergy education are um, WebMD. Um, they can go to the American Academy of Allergy and Immunology, uh, which is uh, www.aaa, four A's and an I, and .org. Or they can go to the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which is uh, www.acaai.org. Okay, great. Do you have any more questions about allergies? Or no, I don't. Doctor? So, doctor, what if a patient wanted to um, come see you? What if they, they think they're at that point, they need to see a doctor, hopefully um, or start doing it prior to purchasing these over-the-counter medications. I mean, where, where's your office located? Uh, my, uh, my office name is Family Allergy Asthma Clinic, and we have been open for almost a year. I practiced at another practice almost for about 13 years. So I have a lot of experience in allergies and asthma, and our website is uh, familyallergyasthmaclinic.com. It's pretty straightforward, familyallergyasthmaclinic.com. And you've been practicing this for quite some time in the Valley. Almost so you're, 14 years. Yeah, yeah so you're yeah. very familiar with what what not only kids but adults' issues they have when it comes to living in the Valley. As well as the air the quality, too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get you in here for the air quality for sure because that is important. That that all triggers. It right. all starts from the top and works its way down. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it, and hopefully yeah, you'll come back. So and, thank you, Nicole, and, and thank you to the – thank you, Don, and thank you to Fresno Madera Medical Society. Thank you. Back.